Good morning, everybody. This is the Saturday Morning Sports Emporium, broadcasting to you valiantly from rooms in people's houses <laughs> here in the great state of Michigan. It is the 30th of May. It's our first time back on the air in, um, well, we're not on the air, are we really? Anyway, my name's Justin Lee. I'm joined by Adam Swenson and Brandon Lee. You guys can bail me out of this situation. Really deep thoughts this morning. Thank you. And that's what I specialize in, really. And and we have some things definitely to touch on, though, since we haven't been on in uh, in a little little while. Four weeks. Yeah, so about four weeks, give or take. Um, 28 days, I guess that's four weeks, right? Something like yes. that? Yes, yep. Hey, what do you know? Um, but something, something we missed last time was the passing of the legend Al Kaline. Um, first, we have Don Shula. We've got... What are the NHL and NBA doing um, to return to action or not? Um, how can baseball continue to make me sad and disappoint me um, even more than it has over the years? Um, yeah, and other fun stuff like that uh, all coming up on this edition of the Saturday Morning Sports Emporium. <laughs> So I, I was really dismayed. I was really, really dismayed that uh, we did not talk about Al Kaline in the last show. Because um, you want to talk about somebody who, um, such a legend in Detroit sports, uh, such a wonderful guy by every account. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I just wanted to make sure we started the show with that today. Um you know, Mr. Tiger, and boy, you just don't see this much anymore, if if almost ever. Um, what a remarkable career. Started out at 18, you know, came up to the major leagues at 18, didn't play in the minor leagues, uh, didn't play much in his rookie year. Um, but then, um, well, didn't play much when he first came up. And then his first full season, you know, he won a batting title and and so on and so forth. But um, remarkable career with one organization, obviously played for a long time, then, you know, became a broadcaster, was broadcaster for a long time, then moved to the front office, was at every spring training, um, every charity event, every everything. Um, so uh, he's somebody that I've, th- I, I would say, if there was any anybody in the sports world that I idolized, Al Kaline is the closest you could ever possibly come to that because I don't generally look at sports figures as idols per se. But if I were, Al Kaline would be the guy. And I think with with Al Kaline, the the one of the most prevailing things is that as you're listening, people talk about him uh, well before his his passing, and even but in and it got reamplified after his passing is always referring to him as Mr. K-Line, which that was not, not just a Jim Price thing. That that was something that got done by many members of the uh, organiza- Tigers organization. Uh, but the other thing is, is that for uh, a player that had not played in 35 to f- at least 35 years, it was rather remarkable when he did pass away how many of the current players knew who he was and gave him his due 
uh, after his passing. And I think that that's, that's when you know that you are a really great individual, which of course the thing is, is that, and is what got uh, really shown uh, in, in the way that the family handled his passing with the obituary, very standard obituary, just like everybody else went through, you know, some of the, uh, you know, where he worked and stuff like that. But the point being, standard obituary, and that's all Al would have ever wanted, and he would be almost embarrassed by anything more than that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think you, you guys both have covered it well as far as him off the field, but on the field, I mean, remarkable consistency. Um, and I think when I thought about it, you know, when he had passed, and I, you know, like everybody, you know, you dig back into his stats and you read about, you know, what he had done. What struck me as I was looking at his numbers is, you know, what he reminds me of, or, or vice versa, is Ichiro. Just in terms of the consistency, obviously they're different players, but if you think about an 18-time All-Star, a 10-time Golden Glove winner, a really solid baseball player, uh, you know, and a career 300 hitter, basically. Yeah, exactly 3,001 hits, right? So, um, 3,007. Seven, oh. The point being, right over the, the that very critical line. <laughs> He's got seven um, extra hits so that we can handle him not having 300 home runs. Yes. Yeah, yes. not having 400. Yeah, 399. And, and, and you know, Kaline even said that if he had known he was at 399, he would have played another season. <laughs> Just to uh, to get to four hundred, uh, but 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 in, and and I tell you what, while we talk about the batting stats, uh, you know, one of the things that happened when Kirk Gibson played right field is that there was always the comparison of him versus Al Kaline, and the one thing that he never was able to do because he he Kirk had an absolutely terrible arm to begin with from throwing from right field, right? That, that was probably his worst part. And probably even despite how great of a hitter or how great of an offensive player LK line was, the one thing that he did as well as anything in his career was be able to go ahead and, and make that throw from right, right field. And he, and his accuracy and his ability to, uh, in terms of, of throwing guys out was absolutely amazing, especially in a very weird right field uh, that was there along with the other right fields that were uh, in the American league at that time. So. Yeah. The K line corner and he played it better than anybody. Um, and I want to amend as the fact check department is out early. Um, he actually won the batting title his second full season, not his first full season. Okay. Um, but in any case, yeah, I mean, he like like Brandon mentioned, he won a ton of gold gloves. That was not by accident. And and Kaline was just an absolutely complete baseball player. Um, and again, just you don't see as much of that. Yeah, I think it's a, a testament to him that one of the first names I thought of was Ichiro when I looked at his numbers. We think about, you know, a truly unique, yeah. you know, and, and Ichiro may go down as a superior baseball player, but nevertheless, um, it's impressive, you know, that, that you would, we would need to find someone like an Ichiro to find a comparable example of that kind of consistency. Yeah, for sure. And, um, you know, off the field, as we said, um, just known as it's just one of those people who is just super nice. And it was interesting. And Adam, I wanted to touch on your point. It was interesting to see some of the current players and current Tigers and guys who weren't even with the Tigers that long. I'm thinking a guy like John Hicks, who was maybe two years, two and a half years, he was with the organization, just kind of going on about the impact Al Kaline had on him. Um, you know, I mean, so even, even at this you know late stage of his life, 
he had a huge impact on the young players in the organization and just being, you know, with them at spring training, showing up during uh, games. He came to at least one game a week at Comerica, um, you know, so on and so forth. And, and you know what, every year, and he had been down in uh, Lakeland this past uh, um, spring for spring training, uh, again, continuing to work with the players like he had had done so for so many years. Um, there were some people that commented that, that it, it, it did appear that this might have been one of the last springs that he was going to be down there uh, just based on health and just the ability to do what Al wanted to, to do, you know, and which was, you know, maximize his capacity as much as possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and I think, uh, but, and, and especially this was not, you know, just respect from other baseball players. I mean, everybody in the organization, uh, um, uh, people that worked in, in, in the clubhouse itself, uh, people that worked regardless of their spot in the organization, they had had at least one conversation with Al because Al wanted to know who they were, what they were doing, and just get feedback from them. And I think, you know, uh, in, in the times that we are in right now, it's very refreshing and quite an example of Al Kaline of, of the, what he was able to put out there as an example of making sure that all voices are heard and will continue to be heard. So this one, this one hurt um, uh, losing Al Kaline. Um, he, uh, like I said, it's as close as as I would come to to idolizing a, an athlete, and um, it sucks to lose him in this time, which is really very messed up. And we could use any kind and sane voice uh, that we can get our hands on. So. Totally moving, agree. Moving on, um, another legendary uh, guy, Don Shula, passed away. Um, you know, during this, it was just after we were on. I think it was. Um, yep. Yep. And you know, here's here's a guy who uh, his name is synonymous with Miami Dolphins, and uh, yeah, just another legendary guy. Brandon, do you want to jump into that? Yeah, I mean, you want to talk consistency, uh, Don Shula. Uh, just, you know, he's one, I think recent football is kind of has elevated Bill Belichick in a way that is probably deserving, you know, in terms of the accolades he gets given his Super Bowls and his winning percentage. But you want to talk, you know, best, best NFL coaches in history, Don Shul is right there, you know, 31 winning seasons out of 33, took five different quarterbacks to a Super Bowl, uh, you know, a career winning percentage over 670. Uh, you know, obviously, and then <clears throat> typified by that three-year run the Dolphins had in the mid-70s, you know, and recording that only perfect season. Uh, and just someone that, you know, by all accounts, hard to find anyone that has a bad thing to say about him. You know, and for someone who was in the game of football as both a player and a coach for almost 50 years, uh, it's pretty remarkable. You know, he played for six or seven seasons as a defensive back and was on some really incredible uh, Browns teams uh, at the time. So. Yeah, and just and then obviously you know lived in ninety, uh, and much like Kaline was still engaged, you know, in kind of the the world of of his sport, you know, as, as someone that would stop by to a training camp, that would do the occasional interview, and it was still very much a part of the game, and I think a part of the Miami community. So, just, you know, another yeah. legend. Uh, and very much the feedback when you're listening to people, very much along the lines uh, of what we just 
talked about with LK line, right? Someone who uh, beyond respected in his community gave back as much as he could. Um, and uh, uh, from, as you say, in all accounts, uh, uh, you know, with that winning percentage, just like you said, uh, what, 30 winning seasons out of 32, which is just, that, that to me by itself is just, that's mind-blowing. That is absolutely mind-blowing. It is. And, and, and to reiterate to your point as well, do, you know, go to the uh, Super Bowl with five quarterbacks, including Joe Namath and Dan Marino. Um, in China, United, sorry. No, John, John Namath uh, cost him a Super Bowl. Cost him a Super Bowl. Boy, my research was terrible this morning. I got my attention. Super Bowl three. Yep, yep. So, so you're right. John United yes. got beat by 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 uh, um, uh, Joe Namath. But uh, um, to that point, though, and Bob uh, Bob Greasy, of course, uh, the uh, um, yep. uh, quarterback in that 1972 uh, with uh, Johnny Zonka and uh, Larry Zonka and um, uh, uh, quite the uh, defense, uh, yeah. and you know, and and I think that's uh, probably one of the more remarkable items is the fact that when you're thinking about uh, um, Don Shula and the quarterbacks that he had, it was especially in that 1972 season. Really, what it was uh, above anything else was an absolutely incredible defense, and probably one of the more underrated NFL defenses out there when you're talking about big. Yeah, that's defense. a really good point. So, yeah. So, um, definitely another name, and, and you know, oddly enough, you sit there, you get two, two of the three coaches with three hundred wins were former assistant coaches with the Lions. So, uh, <laughs> a legacy of greatness. That's what I've always said. So. Yes, yes. After, yeah, or well, yeah, I can't even say that. Anyway, so that said, um. Moving away from football for the moment, uh, because I think there's going to be a lot more to talk about with football going forward over the next couple of months. Um, I, I definitely wanted to to dive into the other major sports, and, and we'll leave baseball behind for the moment um, and jump into NBA, NHL. Um, so NHL has a little bit more of a concrete plan, I think, out there than the NBA right now. Um, um, I'd say they're comparable. They're comparable, probably. Um, I haven't read as much, I guess, on the NBA one. So the NHL is going to do a 2014 tournament. Um, it did pass through the NHLPA. Um, and so what they're going to do is that the four top seeds, I think it's the top four, yeah, mm -hmm. top four, top six, are going to do a round-robin tournament to determine their position. The other 16 are going to... Um, play a five-game series to move on to the next round uh, and, and do that until they get to that top tier of teams, and then they will do the final two series as your traditional seven-game series. So that's what the NHL is doing. Obviously, it mercifully ends the Red Wings season. Um, they're going to play these games at two remote hubs. I think they're still working the logistics of that out. Um, so two things. One is I think it's, it's, it's the best case scenario for hockey and hopefully they can get it going and get, I mean, fan interest is going to be up. I mean, people at this point are going to watch probably anything. You know, I, I look at, um, look at DraftKings. Now they, they had their IPO and sorry to go financial here in this, but, but they had it back in April. Right. And there are sports betting, you know, once the Supreme Court ruled that sports betting could be legal 
um, uh, you know, uh, across the country, internet, etc. Um, their stock shot up, uh, but no sports. That means no sports betting. Um, and yet their stock keeps going up because they're finding inventive ways to get people going. So, so there is pent up demand. I mean, there is substantial pent up demand for this, uh, particularly with us all stuck in our houses a lot of the time. So, so I think it's great if both the NHL and NBA can get back out on their respective playing fields in the near future and will be good for both sports. Um, you know, there's, there's other considerations, but I think it's really good. So that, that's one thing I wanted to get your guys' take on. The second thing is the fact that uh, the Wings are bringing back Jeff Blashill. And I have some thoughts on that, um, but I wanted to hear from you guys first. Yeah, I mean, I was, I was surprised. Um, I was surprised and I wasn't surprised, I guess. I, when I first heard it, I was very surprised. But then as I thought about it, I'm like, well, really he had no choice but to bring Blashill back. And I was, you know, really adamant when Eisenman was hired that it was basically a parting present to Ken Holland that Eisenman kept Blashill employed. Uh, and my thought was that he was going to let Blashill, you know, go through last year and then he was going to move on this summer. But, um, you know, as I thought about it, you know, this is not the time to create significant disturbance for a team in rebuilding. There's just no upside uh, to changing uh, your coach right now for a team where the wings aren't going to be in the playoffs next year. And so, and, and, and Blashill's a competent coach. I don't think he's the coach for the team, but you know, as, as I really, as I thought through it, I think it was the only, it was the only sensible option. And, um, you know, Iserman is, is a very logical GM. It would be, he's, he has a philosophy. We'll talk about that a little later with the Pistons, you know. And I think he, he's just, you know, it, make, it, it actually heartens me that he didn't move on from Blashville because it shows that there's a discipline to his thinking. As far as the hockey, uh, uh, you know, uh, them getting back, I, you know, all these sports at this point in time have to figure out a way to get back uh, from the standpoint of, of recapturing the fans' attention, uh, giving the fans an outlet uh, that they haven't had since uh, mid-March. Uh, and, and, and I think lastly is that uh, from a just general overall standpoint, it, it gives hockey a possible a possibility of, of maybe even capturing the attention of people that they wouldn't necessarily have that opportunity to begin with. Great. Um, and, and, and that's where um, all these sports really, that, that's, that's their job is to get and, and get the eyes on their sport to be able to and hopefully, uh, you know, get them to be more legacy uh, people down the stretch. Um, so, uh, and, and the format that got put together from the NHL, in my mind, very creative. Uh, very much uh, uh, doing their job to figure out the best case scenario. Um, and, and I hope that, uh, you know, that there's no problem, you know, and, and the good news is it seems like the player association, it, player association is on board uh, and that's so critical. Uh, and, and now hopefully they're able to figure out that, that, that logistic piece, which it seems to be very challenging uh, as we'll talk about a little bit with the NBA. Uh, in terms of Blashill returning, yes, I think at this point, uh, especially, you know, it's strange too, because if you remember, it seemed like every two weeks you were hearing a new NHL coach 
uh, uh, you know, a, a new firing of an NHL coach every couple of weeks there uh, uh, from the beginning of the year up until the beginning of the pandemic, right? Uh, and and now, um, you know, and it seemed, you know, there was that question about Blaschel, where, where he, you know, why he was not part of that list and, and, and a lot of speculation then as we got into March about him not being there, uh, you know, and being let go by Eisenman. But I think Eisenman, based on the pandemic, based on the uh, complete lack of consistency that we find in our lives and in many ways, um, it, it is a, as Brandon states, a very wise decision for the time being to bring back Blaschel in order to make sure to provide an organization despite the challenges and some of the perceptions of the coach, some sort of consistency and dependency that uh, the players can look toward as they enter this new season uh, from a development standpoint. So uh, no problems there. Yeah. 100% agree. You guys uh, really took the words out of my mouth. I'm, I'm right there with you. This just wasn't the time to make the change. And Brandon, my reaction was the same as yours. Initially, I'm like, what? <laughs> and then I'm like, oh, actually, no, that makes right. sense. Um, and he's actually already under contract for this season anyway. And and there is a cost component to it, too, as teams. And we're going to talk about this more on the MLB side. Uh, but as teams are really looking at what their bottom line is going to look like. And, and not as big of a deal for NBA and NHL because they've already gotten a lot of their revenue in for the season. But We'll we'll touch on that a little bit more, but switching over to the NBA, so they've got a both a twenty and a twenty-two game plan out there. I think the twenty-two is the one that's going to um, Thursday. Yep. Yeah, Thursday is the vote on getting that one. It sounds like that's going to get approved, um, and so that one um, I haven't seen. I, I, it's going to be a, a very similar situation where they have hubs. They're playing in certain locations. Just uh, one. Oh, is it just the one? Or the Wild World of Sports at, at Disney in Orlando. <clears throat> oh, yep, 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 yep. Okay. For some reason, I thought they had, they had two also. But no, so just at the one, um, at the one location. Um, but again, you're looking at a very strange circumstance, you know, no fans, so on and so forth. But again, re-engaging the NBA season, getting things going. And so it's the same thing, um, you know. What's, you know, what are your thoughts here? And, but also we have the Pistons and uh, their GM situation. Um, and I know, Brandon, you wanted to touch on that. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's, a, it's the right time to do this. Um, you know, Stefanski came in and did a really nice job of positioning them for the most part um, for success. And now is the time to get a GM that can, that can make the best use of the assets they have. And they have quite a bit. They've only got, uh, they're only committed to about $70 million of payroll for 2021, uh, which is pretty incredible in the NBA. You know, they're around 130, 140 right now. Um, they've got a bunch of young players, young good players that could be uh, potential uh, trading chips. And they've got, you know, a high draft pick coming up here with an outside chance of the first pick, but a draft that really isn't a first pick dependent draft by any means. Uh, you look, it's not a Zion Williamson draft. Um, it's a, you know, there are four or five guys that are all in that number one slot, depending on the mock draft. So now is the time to get, I, in my, in my hope, a guy that has a really clear philosophy um, for how he wants to build a basketball team and not just, you know, a, you know, a high profile name. I hope they don't go in that direction. You know, a Stan Van Gundy was, you know, would be the, 
where, where I don't want them to go, which is someone who's a, a Dombrowski type, right? You know, a wheeler, a dealer, someone who's got a great sense for the game that can put together a winner. I would much rather them get a lower key GM that is really, really focused on how to maximize the value of assets because that's what they have. They've just got a lot of really young pieces that are cheap and under team control. And, you know, if they, if they use their draft picks well, then this, this team could turn around very quickly. Even Blake Griffin's only under contract two more years. And once Griffin comes off, then you're talking about wide open opportunities um, in terms of the salary cap. So uh, I, hope, I hope they make good use of the, the, the moment in time. There seems to be a consensus out there uh, uh, that, you know, when the rumor got put out there or what, when the news got out there that the Pistons were going to begin doing a jam search, uh, there, there seemed to be the thought pattern that, that maybe, maybe they're just going to bring in someone to uh, appease the fan base, but really they're going to continue down whatever this undescribable path that they're on, which I, I think, unfortunately, like a little bit of harsh criticism from the standpoint that they've done, in my mind, in the draft, a good job of drafting the last few years, especially drafting, you know, more of the 2020 NBA-style players with length and, and height and, and, and width and stuff like that, right? Um, and, and, you know, then there, you know, then we got, different names that got put out there, uh, uh, you know, Tayshawn Prince, uh, and then we heard uh, um, Chauncey Billups, uh, and then Shane Battier, which but then with that, when those names got brought up, it seemed to be, yeah, they'd be great. Those are, you know, those are the people that we would really would like to see here. But at the same time, there was some criticism of those names because those were uh, – you know, Chalky is definitely probably poised to be a guy that could take over an organization. But the but the question would be, would you be able to bring in a guy like Chalky if we, you know, with the ownership having a this meddling type of of relationship with the player personnel people, so he wouldn't necessarily have the one hundred percent percent austerity, if you will. Uh, you know, and the authority to, to make decisions as you will. Yeah, uh, that that to me is the most interesting story to be played out here. Yeah, I think that's a fair point, and that's why I'm so I'm so hopeful that they go to someone with a, a philosophy. And it's not to discount that any of the three guys you mentioned uh, don't, but you know, we do see the meddling. I mean, one of the reasons why this rebuild was slowed is that they refused to part with Andre Drummond at multiple points over the last three years in which they could have gotten rid of them. And they traded, you know, if you will, uh, that opportunity for getting swept by the Cavs a few years back. So, literally, I mean, that was, <laughs> that was the trade-off. Um, and then, of course, you know, the preference to Derrick Rose, who, who had a fine season last year. You know, if he plays 50 games next year, we'll be lucky. You know, that was just another, another move that, just to your point, Adam, was meddling and just didn't really make any sense. And so that's why I'm, I'm hopeful that, you know, if they're deciding to hire a GM and I don't think Stefanski is the problem here. So maybe the two of them together can help, you know, imprint on this team an actual uh, game plan for, for reasons for rebuilding. And, and, you know, the shame is, is that with the lack of moves with Drummond uh, and like you said, with, you know, uh, uh, with Derek Rose being brought in, them not managing the Reggie Jackson situation probably very well. 
Uh, and of course, you know, if in fact they did get a, a gigantic offer a couple of years ago for Blake Griffin and not pulling the trigger uh, on that, and if that was all Tom Gore's, um, and, and unfortunately, that really overshadows what, what I talked about a couple of minutes ago, the good drafting. And even the, the Derrick Rose uh, um, acquisition makes sense in like, if it was like two, three years from now, when you're, you know, had all these young players that you've, you know, gone ahead and drafting, you've developed, and, and they're kind of ready to rock and roll. But the timing on it really was terrible. And, and certainly, and again, how much of that is an arm tell them and, and will arm tell them again, whether it be Gore's arm tell them, will they let the, the, the people that know basketball make those decisions? And I think I, I can understand, and that's why I am very – uh, interested in and will be entertained by uh, what exactly the play out of the situation is because man it, it definitely can take a lot of different packs a good number of the packs very good and a good number of the best not so good so um and and to to the basketball again the nba um I, i'm i'm a little shocked that it, it, again it's taken them this long to try to figure out how they're going to execute this and uh, again, we know it's a complicated situation. Look, looks, looks not. I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to uh, simplify it by any stretch of the means. But uh, I'm, I'm very curious about how this all plays out. Um, and, and, but, and, and when you look at what's been talked about for what I feel to be six to eight weeks at this point, and don't get me wrong, you know, a lot of the, some of the details have been cleaned up along the way. But the point is, is that to me, the framework of what they're looking to execute has been there for at least six weeks. And I'm, I'm just curious as to why they couldn't seem to get going. And now we're looking at it, maybe a, a late July, early August start to this. And, I, you know, from an NBA perspective, and gosh, we, we will talk about it in a minute here because with baseball, uh, I don't think any of us will be able to not unleash on that conversation. I, you know, yeah. again, it, 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 in my mind, it should have been quicker, but hopefully they get there. And, and, and again, I, and don't get me wrong, Safety is and, and health and, and whatever is of the utmost concern. But to me, the NBA, you have the resources. You should have been just a little bit quicker. And that's it. Adam, um, I'm going to depress you now a little bit and um, remind you that uh, we had Shane Battier on as a guest. I, we, we did. Um, when he uh, left high school. Yes. Um, <laughs> it, it was not too long after, I believe he. I, now, I, I think this was before he, he committed to Duke. That is correct. Right? It, it was before he committed to Duke. Yes. Right before he committed, because we talked about, you know, how he had different hats, uh, you know, of the different yep. uh, places yep. and what have you. So, yeah, we interviewed him before he went to college, and we just mentioned him to be the general manager. Oh, I'm aware. I'm aware, my friend. I'm <laughs> that aware. really makes me <laughs> well, I think anyway. he's, probably close, he's probably close to 40, right? So if we were, but again, we weren't too much older than him. No, we weren't, but still, yeah. it, it's still, uh, well, that, that, that's just what went through my head as we were talking. Next time he can't get back, by the way, but oh, well, that cold another. <laughs> Not my fault. Yeah. Anyway. No, too bad for him. So. Yes. 
so moving on though to to the uh, the sport that we've been dancing around, um, which is Major League Baseball, and um, you know Jason Stark uh, just published an article, and I, I don't always perhaps often agree with his uh, opinion pieces, um, but uh, he I mean it literally just went live uh, in the last few minutes. But it's basically a they, they can't drive off this cliff, can they? And and you know he he starts off with the you know talking about the nineteen ninety four situation and how the players union and Bud Selig they just couldn't. And if you remember Don Fair, that's a name I hadn't thought of in uh, since nineteen ninety four. And and um. And, and just how he was very aggressive and they just butted heads and they ruined baseball at that point for me. Um, so, so, so my story, you know, is, uh, as everybody knows, you know, here, and I'm sure if, you know, for anyone listening, baseball is by far my favorite sport. I'm very passionate about it. Uh, was as a kid, um, you know, uh, absolutely followed every aspect of the game. Uh, 1994 is the thing that got me to stop following baseball. I did not follow baseball again for a number of years, really until they closed Tiger Stadium. Um, and that's what brought me back is that season. Uh, and then I remembered that I really loved the game and I came back to it. But, but the, the fact of the matter is, is baseball's never been the same. And that's what Stark is saying in his article is baseball has never been the same since then. And that's a hundred percent true. And they, they have been making incremental progress and, and there have been some really positive things that I think have happened over the last 20 years in baseball. But if they don't figure this out, I don't know if there's any coming back period. Yeah. I, I mean, I think the question is, is what's the next wave of fans that they lose? Um, in 94, they lost a massive wave of fans, you know, including our father's generation. So many of them yeah. walked away from anything but only following, you know, the team uh, in their hometown, if at all. Uh, and the question is, is what, what segment between steroids, the cheating scandal with the Astros, and this nonsense? Yeah. You know, people in my age bracket, your age bracket, like, you know, I, I went from, in the span of a month, being, you know, could not wait for baseball, could not wait to slog through, you know, the, you know, 80, 90, 100 games the Tigers were going to lose this year uh, to like, oh, cool, the NHL is coming back. Great. To, I, like, I just, I'm just so irritated right now like, that, you know, it's really diminished my excitement for the, for the season starting. I'm just like, oh, cool, there's an NHL tournament, which I have not watched almost any NHL this year. And I'm now like, oh, well, that'll be interesting at least. And the thing is, th this is a situation like a pick-your-own-adventure book where <laughs> – but, but the thing was, baseball had basically and, – and their pathway was easier than the NHL and the NBA oh, in the no fact question. that they played outside, right? I mean, they played outside and led to believe that, hey, okay, so it's a pick-your-own-adventure. Literally grab an opportunity – run with it absolutely run with it and make the most of it and, 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 and literally an opportunity to maybe even make up for what happened what to what you spoke to in 1994 and they said 
basically we kind of filled her platter and they said, nah, forget it. We're, we're going to, you know what we're going to do? We, we got the little nail, like a little snow popping up from 94. We're going to take a bulldozer and run right over it. That's exactly what they've done. Yeah. And, it, and it's so depressing and it's so stupid and it's so, and, and really, and, and, and making sure, and I, I know we'll get into the details, this is not a player problem. This no. is absolutely not a player problem. This is an owner, and, and we talked about this on the last podcast, where Manfred had an opportunity himself individually to try to redeem his name out of a pile of manure, and he's actually gone ahead. And that same bulldozer that went over the nail has loads of manure, and they put it right on top of it. That's and exactly what happened. He's getting out commissioned by Gary Bettman right now. That should never happen. Oh, that should never, never absolutely not. Never happen. And you're absolutely right, Adam, and I'm glad you brought this up, is this is not a player problem. And the players continue to be the one who get the majority of the flack in the press and and with, you know, the 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 public at large and their commentary is that the players are being greedy. The bottom line here is they sent out some pretty reasonable demands. I mean, they, they came right out and said, prorate our salaries for how many games we play. That's fair. I mean, that's fair. I mean, what else would you do? Uh, you know, every millions upon millions of people here in this country are doing things like that. You know, where maybe they, 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 get, they take furlough days. Yep, I'm going to have – I don't – you know, Brandon, that's your situation. You're yeah. going to take furlough days. You don't work. You don't get paid. Okay. I mean, you don't like it, but, but, but it's fair. Yep. And, and, and so they've said this and they've said, Hey, we want safety protocols. I mean, why are we arguing about safety protocols? And they do think they're going to solve that. But, but, but then major league baseball, and we talked about this in the last show, you know, they started screwing around with the umpires. Like, why, why are you, why are you, why are you doing that? It's, it's such a small piece of this puzzle. And now we have the minor league baseball situation, oh. which is abominable. What was going on was already abominable. And, I, and, and, and to be honest, as much as it pained me, I understood some level of contraction in the minor leagues. There are too many minor leagues. I hate to say it, but yeah, I think some contraction was necessary. But what they're doing right now is ridiculous, absolutely and utterly ridiculous. Um, they're cutting players loose right now. There have been a couple of mass cullings that have happened, which honestly is, is, a, is a, a coin toss because part of the problem that the players have run into is that um, you know some players have gotten this $400 a week stipend, and that's ending at the end of May. Now, some teams have committed to paying through June, some all the way through August. Interestingly, the Tigers are not on either list, um, though they haven't said one thing or the other. Um, but you know, these players are technically under contract in the minor leagues, which means they can't claim unemployment either. So they either have to give up their contract and say, I'm walking away so I can get unemployment or go find another job or whatever, or you make zero. Like, well, what planet are we on? I mean, we're $400 a week, and yeah, that's a lot of players and a lot of money, but these teams are worth billions of dollars. Um, 
and and these players and again looking at it from a completely cold aspect they're assets so you're you're just going to let the assets languish I, I, I mean it doesn't even make business sense to me like like let, let alone the human aspect of it um why why it's such a small amount of money and you're going to screw around with these guys I, I i just don't get it and that's why I'm, it is an owner problem. It is a commissioner problem. Because you guys are looking at the stupid little stuff and not paying attention to the much bigger picture, which is you need to put players on the field. You need to get media contracts taken care of because as we talked about right at the beginning of this show, there is pent-up demand. People want to watch baseball. I desperately want to watch baseball. People who don't want to watch baseball want to watch baseball right now. And that means baseball will get revenue from their media contracts. The media companies will sell advertising. There is pent-up demand for advertising because businesses are saying, I, I got to get people in my doors. So yeah. people are going to advertise. Yes. It will stimulate the economy as well. And – it's it's that simple. And like you said, Adam, they play outside. For the love of God, they play outside. And it's not to say that they can't – that they don't need to do some kind of level of safety protocols or do testing or whatever. Of course, of course, but they can figure it out. We can figure it out. We can figure it out. Well, especially – you know, the thing is, is and, and I – you know, when, when you're looking at – I mean, for example, I mean, you look at NASCAR. NASCAR is up and running. I mean, mm -hmm. they, they are up and running. Yes, they're dependent upon uh, – you know, obviously, they're, they're dependent upon the people being in the stands. That's not happening. But then when you look at the ratings, I mean, the the, the, the uh, first race out there uh, ended up beating the uh, the final two parts of the uh, uh, Jordan miniseries, right? The the you know the last thing they had almost a seven you know basically seven million people watching. And, and that would be the south, by the way. The north was watching. The, the, well, the you know the point being, I know a good number of people that were in Michigan watching that. So I mean, the well, point, part of Michigan is the south too. So yeah, well, uh, in general, guess what? People were watching it, right? And 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 it was one of the best ratings that they have received in, in a good number of years. NASCAR understood it was a vision, and and that's where you know we do not have a Bart Giamatti at this point running, you know, running baseball. We 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 don't have that. We we have this this. Let's look at something a month out. Oh, we're going to do expansion. We're going to do you know all these short term pocket lining decisions, and and we're ignoring what is really. The, the long-term great impact in the improvement in terms of fan viewership of your sport if you could have remotely got your act together. But no, you, you had to be you had to be greedy, you had to be lazy, and you had to be a, a bunch of people with a complete lack of vision. And that's what this all comes down to. Yeah, yeah, and to continue to pile on, let's look at the situation with the draft. Again, the owners – you know, put a line in the sand and Manfred put a line in the sand and said, players, you're going to capitulate to our demands or we're going to cut the draft to five, five rounds. And the players started to, and they're like, yeah, we're just going to cut the, the draft to five rounds and we're going to limit the bonuses. And, and again, some of those measures might have made sense. But when you unilaterally just say, yeah, we're just going to do these things because we can, 
and, and, and Manfred has has rattled his saber even before the pandemic that he was yeah. going to start ramming certain things down the players' throats at the next collective bargaining agreement, like potentially yep. the designated hitter rule or or some other things. Um, and I just I don't know I and 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 let me give you one last example of of craziness is. The Detroit Tigers, um, you know, I'm, I'm a season ticket holder and have been for a long time. And um, so I'm, I'm, I'm part of a group of, of season ticket holders who have, have bought into the long-term plan that they have now. And, uh, and one of the things the Tigers did was they suspended our payment program where we didn't obviously have to pay anymore because we had already paid for April and May's games. And they said, Hey, those aren't going to happen. We're not going to, we're not going to bill you for that, which was a good thing. However, they came back to us, I don't know, about a month or so ago, three weeks maybe, and said, well, we think we're going to play in July here at Comerica Park. So <laughs> we're going to start billing you again. Now, uh, our, our ticket rep, who is a very, very nice person, uh, made the mistake of not blind copying our entire group, but rather carbon copying our entire group. And their, the responses to that were priceless. Um, People who have been season ticket holders for a long time, I mean, were, were incensed. Like, I'm not coming back. You, you give me my money back. And, and they were – these are the people who said – because when, when, when the pandemic first started, the Tigers gave everyone an option to get their money back or keep your money in the kitty and you get a whole bunch of extra perks. These are all people who said, you know what? I don't want my money back. And we're talking thousands of dollars for all these people, even with the smallest plans. And and during a pandemic, these people are saying, keep my thousands of dollars. Keep it. And then you're going to come back and say, you know what? I'm going to start billing your credit card again a couple hundred bucks a month. I mean, you want to talk about absolutely asinine behavior on the part of the Tigers, and I'm sure – that they have cash flow problems, 100% certain. And I guess um, I lied. I'm going to add one more thing I'm going to dump on to the owners on. But I get that. But you know what? Go to the well because there's a well. There is an Illich well. You can borrow money from the mothership and make it through. And, and, and by the way, this never happens if Mike and Mary and Illich are still running this team. I, I concur. No, everybody never. is is getting – Everybody's getting taken care of, if that's the case. Yeah. And I will say the Tigers have thus far, and I, I don't want to give them any more credit than thus far, have not laid off front office staff or, or, or what have you, which we, which we have seen with other teams. And, and like, like the Angels organization, which is a very cash-healthy organization, at least up till now, uh, I mean, they gutted their scouting department prior to the draft, gutted it. They, they just started furloughing almost their entire front office, um, maybe again about a month ago, two to three weeks ago. And we're starting to see this now happening in baseball where they're just like, okay, you guys are all going. And again, 
you're looking at such a small dollar amount and we should be so close to having a season and ergo covering those costs. Why, why, why are you doing this now? Why now? Uh, so anyway, I think I'm done now. <laughs> We're a country of not very smart people. Let's just put it that way with not a whole lot of common sense, not a lot of vision and uh, on, on multiple fronts. Um, and, and, and that's where we're, we're at, right? I mean, and, and that's where, again, everyone should be getting with NASCAR and going, hey, guys, how, how did you do it? Especially when you consider the work that they have to do, uh, uh, especially in changing tires and crews and, and stuff like that. There, there, there's a lot to consider from a uh, social distancing standpoint and what they're able to, you know, do in terms Sharing of- Sharing tools and, and things like yes, that. Yes, yes, that, that's, you know, and, and, uh, um, and then, you know, you're- it hasn't been as pleasant to watch, but golf is at least providing you something, and they've had a plan to be back playing here in the month of June now for about six weeks. So, uh, and they've got a little off to you know a start here a couple weeks ago with a foursome uh, of um, what Dustin Johnson and Rory McIlroy and a couple other players, um, and then last week was the. Uh, more exhibition, if you will, you know, Phil Tiger, uh, Peyton Manning, and of course, Tom Brady. And again, they put something on television. The ratings were good. Uh, people watched it. And, and that's what, you know, it, it, it made it through and they, they provided something. And that's where I look at the, the you know, the, the, the three sports. And right now we talked about it on the last show. Right now, I have all the confidence in the world that the NFL will be ready to rock and roll if if status quo maintains by September. And yeah, they got the gift of time. The, 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 the time of this pandemic was absolutely perfect for them. But boy, it sure seems like they're, they're doing their best to make sure that that weekend after Labor Day, they're ready to rock and roll. And let's be clear about the NFL. For all their faults, and they have many, many faults, and some of their faults are tied to what I'm about to say, they are fanatical about one thing, making money. Right, and they see the vision for how to make money, and Roger Goodell will make money. Like that, that league is a machine for generating revenue, and Correct. they figure oh, yeah. out a way, and they will do it. You know, but I mean, even it just it, it, it's even the little stuff like with baseball. Like, I'm not saying this would be the most popular thing in the world, but who wouldn't pay two ninety nine a month right now to watch the Tigers? You know, you get a hundred thousand people a month paying two ninety nine. You know, you throw in a bunch of other cool stuff that comes with it, you know, that you can, you know, through a digital subscription model. And there you go. You're starting to offset some of your revenue problems. Like, it's just that stuff. They're not even thinking about that kind of thing. What, what about doing a home run derby um, tournament? What about doing, I mean, any of that stuff. Any of that stuff they could do right now. Yep. They, they could open up spring training facilities and do exhibition games. People will watch the exhibition games. I, yes. 100%. 100% will do it. They could do that today. And, and, and just, and, and, and one, one thing, uh, even this story uh, that got brought out, I think early yesterday, and, and again, showing you the players are on the right side of things. You look at David Price, Dodger pitcher, former Tiger, former Matt. He's going ahead out of his own pocket. He's giving every Dodger minor leaguer $1,000 a month until this thing gets done. That, you know, and again, that's where it's like you're, you're amazing. The, the players will make them 
the 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 owners look bad. And the thing too is there's a long game part of this with all these sports leagues, and and it will be very impactful to NHL, NBA, and and uh, um, uh, Major League Baseball is that they're all their uh, union contracts are coming up, and I think you you alluded to this a little bit earlier, um, Justin. But the point being. All their union contracts are up here in the next one to two years. And right. when we get into the whole revenue sharing and whatever, and, and if there's a refusal, a, a continual refusal in a lot of these places of showing the books and, and because of the, this crying poor by billionaires, it's not going to end well for the, the owners. It is not going to end well. And this is why you're, you're, you're really poking the, the, the golden goose and, and it's not going to be pretty long-term for the owners. Yeah. So shocking story, by the way, the first team to announce they were cutting off payments to minor leaguers was the Oakland athletics uh, who have a long and storied history of being really cheap. Um, and yeah, the, the Marlins would have been the first, but they can't because that's where all the players. <laughs> <laughs> they can't, they can't go ahead and remove that uh, single A team because that's going to be their major league. Roster. Are, are you right. not tuning into the, uh, with the major league baseball network? You're going to have 72 hours of Derek Jeter action. Are you not going to be uh, watching all 72 hours of that? I, I uh, am. But before that? I do that, I'm going to actually self-immolate myself uh, <laughs> as a protest to, to that program. Protest, please. We're good with protest here. Oh, my God. No. In fact, that actually makes it less likely I'll watch baseball. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're just keep – you're continuing to build the reasons why I'm not going to watch – you know, why I'm going to end up watching, you know, Winnipeg play uh, Anaheim or something. Right. Right. So, yeah. And it, it – I mean, this is going to be the biggest story. I mean, we're going to have tournaments – with the NHL, we're going to have it with the NBA. Um, so we're going to have that stuff to watch. We're going to have that stuff to talk about. Golf's going to continue to refine their thing. Um, other sports are going Golf, Adam, because I have not been following. What What is the status? I know I believe the Open is canceled. What is, what's the status of the other majors? Uh, uh, the, the Open and whatnot. The Masters will be played the first weekend of November, if I'm not mistaken, something like that. Um, the U.S. Open... I knew some, you're right. The Open Championship that's been canceled, uh, and I think it's just I, I think the PGA and the U.S. Open will be played later in the year. I don't know the exact dates. I know the gotcha. Masters used to gotcha. first week in November. Uh, they'll play the uh, final round uh, on Sunday morning, uh, and it will be done by the time CBS starts their uh, broadcast of NFL football that afternoon. So. Um, so, and I, you're the thing to bring up Belmont Stakes. They are going to have that. Granted, it's about two weeks later than usual, uh, but they will have that uh, June 18th. Uh, so that will be um, uh, underway here. I think it's June 16th, June 18th, something like that. Uh, so they will have that. And again, remember the Kentucky Derby, they are planning on having that uh, on the Labor Day weekend. So uh, they will have two legs of the Triple Crown at some point this summer. Uh, um, you know, played. I think the Preakness at this point will not take place. Uh, and, and really, when you think about horse racing, uh, that was another organization that, you know, a lot of uh, some of these tracks just went ahead and go, we're not going to, we're going to quarantine the people that work here. They're not going to go anywhere. We're going to, and we're going to do our best to maintain as much as possible. So again, they have not been, uh, there's basically no one in the crowd, but again, 
uh, of course, a good amount of the, uh, um, you know, money that comes in is obviously based on, uh, you know, the betting that takes place with, with horse racing. So that's, that's a, a good amount of revenue. So, um, and, and to your point, uh, as we started the show, DraftKings, definitely that has, um, most of the focus there is having to do with daily fantasy. Uh, um, and of course, then they do have a relationship with uh, Penn, um, uh, Penn uh, Gambling, uh, the, those casinos, uh, and that's another um, uh, partnership that they have. And that's a whole other stock symbol if you're so choosing to trade. So, Yeah. So to pile on baseball one more time, um, because yes. it's just not enough. Um, so the players are going to have a counter proposal, which probably is going to be a hundred games prorated salaries. But one of the other things um, that, and actually the players have talked about offering to play a hundred games at 81 games pay. Again, that's beyond reasonable, but, but two things. One is interesting how the players contracts are not contracts under these circumstances. When, when the owners want the players to be under contract, they're under contract. But right now, they're not paying them because they don't want to. It's just an interesting interesting um, scenario there. But the other fun part about this is one of the players offered, or one of the owners offers, was to, get, to split the revenue 50-50 uh, between the players and the owners, and that would be their mode of compensation. Now, you want to talk about a disingenuous offer because um, they know they're not going to make money off of this. And, uh, and to say, oh, yeah, we'll just give you 50% of the profit from, uh, from this, you know, and that's your pay. I, I mean – so incredibly one-sided the player signed a contract i mean i mean and now granted i'm sure there's a force majeure in their contracts i'm, I'm being a little bit uh short you know obtuse here just out of anger but uh, the, the bottom line is it's one-sided and they continue to try to make it one-sided and it just it it, it, it doesn't make sense but the players should be coming out with a counter proposal here shortly. Um, and it'll be an increase in games. So we'll yeah. I, I think though they have, you know, my last, my last comments on it, I think they will have been beaten to the punch. I think that particularly if there is a degree of compelling storyline in the NBA and NHL, that they are going to lose a lot of viewers to, it was already going to be an uphill climb because the NBA and NHL are trending towards a winner go home scenarios. Um, but now with this, you know, people may, by the time MLB figures their stuff out, people may be invested in what's happening in those other leagues. And, you know, if you're going to watch, a, you know, game five of a uh, playoff series versus, you know, game three of uh, or exhibition, you know, baseball. Well, yeah, you're watching the hockey game. Right. I mean, uh, and to, to answer the question that Brandon had earlier, U.S. Open will be played in September. PGA Championship will be played in August. Um, and then um, uh, the uh, Masters will be in August, uh, excuse me, uh, November. Um, so, uh, and then the other thing was, um, 
Um, geez, I lost my track of train of thought, but uh, there you go. That, oh, and then the June 11th, June 11th is your first tournament back. Uh, and, and the good news, you know, that first tournament will be in, in Dallas in June. So the point being is any germs outside will automatically burn. So that, that. <laughs> <laughs> Along with the players. Yeah. So, so with that said, uh, that's going to wrap us up um, for this edition of the Saturday Morning Sports Emporium. Don't know when we're going to be back on again. I, I imagine, though, we'll do this a little bit more frequently as um, NBA, NHL do start to get uh, things going again. And, um, yeah, theoretically, if baseball does as well. So, And, and we, we didn't touch on it much today, but, you know, football is going to ramp up into its cycle soon, including free agency and teams filling out rosters and, 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 and camp and all that. So lots, lots to discuss there, too. Yeah. Now, if... You know, at this point, the Red Wings and Pistons seasons are mercifully going to be ended. Um, if we could only mercifully end the Lions season at this point, yeah. that'd be great. But I guess that's not the way that works, huh? With that said, please uh, check us out all over the interwebs. Adam knows where we get posted. iTunes and all the various podcast things. Google, I- Spotify... All that good stuff. Uh, yep, yep. Um, so look for us there as we'll be on uh, whenever we can uh, get together and do this thing and have some fun things to talk about. So with that said, for Brandon Lee and Adam Swenson, my name's Justin Lee, and thanks for listening to this edition of the Saturday Morning Sports Emporium. Take care, everybody.